just like being in radio. Right, George, look at that. Everything works. The lights go off and on. There's a big red one that says, on the air. Oh, oh gee. So exciting. It's so exciting bringing up their big Marty. Oh, listen, I want to tell you, there's nothing like... Who's he? He's got this place down on Bleecker. Takeout pizza, Chinese egg rolls. It's not bad. Uh, of course, it's uh, springtime, so Shepard is flipping his bird again. I want to say this: uh, uh, if you uh, if you notice that uh, I have a cold, it's an annual event with me. I uh, some people celebrate spring by hopping around the Maypole. Uh, other people celebrate spring by drinking themselves silly on Bach beer. And uh, that'll make you awful silly if you drink too much of it. I'll tell you that. Sometimes affect you for life. Shepard celebrates the spring by getting his uh, semi-annual cold. That is, uh, I get the cold in the spring and in the fall. And I know, yes, I do. I'm very, I believe in system. I think, I think people are so, so uh, formless in their lives. And I do these things systematically. In fact, I have a, a friend, a doctor friend, who uh, also believes in system. And uh, he recognizes the fact that, you know, kids get uh, chicken pox. So his kid got chicken pox. So he immediately made sure that all the rest of his kids got chicken pox. All under. So he, he might as well, you get it cheaper that way, too. Yeah, he in, injected him with it, see. And uh, that way you get it... Uh, you can handle it cheaper. You can buy, you know, bandages and all that stuff you need for it. <laughs> yeah, you get the frequency discount is what it's called. Now, uh, in in my world, of course, uh, due to the fact that I'm unbelievably efficient, that's how I get so much great, fantastic, uh, catastrophic work done. All in one time, I can do it all. Yes, I'm very efficient. I just work like a machine, turning out the uh, funnies and yaks and, you know, just grinding it out there. Well, uh, part of that efficiency, of course, is maintaining an efficiency around you. For example, my desk that I have in my office is a brilliant example of efficiency. Do you agree, Jerry? Magnificently. Uh, Actually, the disarray which seems to strike people's eyes is controlled chaos. It's, uh, I know exactly where everything is. Of course, a lot of stuff I'm afraid to touch there, I'll tell you. 
there's a there's a bank of stuff on the left side of my desk as as you face it. You see, you don't really sit next to my desk; you cower next to it. Is any minute now, it's going to pour down all over you. See? Oh yeah, it's terrible. I, one day, I, I just barely escaped. One day, Eileen Francis was in the next office. One day, and a and wind came down the tunnel there. We got this tunnel in our in our talent office there. The wind came down the tunnel and caught a key piece of pedimentia on my desk. And the next thing I know, I was I was trapped in this fantastic landslide. And it was only because Arlene Francis was on hand that she could call the police and they dug me out. And uh, I'm here today to talk about it. However, if that wind hadn't come, uh, it wouldn't have lost up my system. I've got a great system. Everything is systematized. So today... A part of my system, it's, you know, springtime, uh, you clean out the crud, all that. Every, every year at this time of, uh, time of the year, I get this great urge to clean out the impedimenta in my desk and go through it all, see. So I clean out, uh, among other things, I got this big, uh, sad, sacky-looking, uh, saggy uh, record uh, uh, cabinet that's next to me. I'm always afraid of that thing. One day, one of those boards is going to break in that, Jerry. And I'm telling you, we're going to kill people for four or five floors below us. When that thing goes, I'm really worried about that. I hit creeks sometimes late at night when I'm there, and I can hear cockroaches walking around. And there's a whole collection of uh, terrible old records that I've got, thousands of records, uh, which uh, I rarely ever... In fact, I, I not only not use them, I pointedly ignore them. Figuring one day the sun is going to get in there and finally melt them all down, and I can make it into an ashtray or something. But cause there's, uh, So I, I'm looking through all the stuff today. I figure I'm going to clean it up. And I came across, among other things, this is an example of the kind of record that I have, that uh, the stuff that piles up that I'm about to throw out. This is about to go out. Would you please play this, uh, if you will? This is the kind of stuff that I'm surrounded with. You can see. You mean you don't like it? No, 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 no. I ain't got no cigarettes but two hours to put your room by the eight of the twelve or fifteen times. And I mean by no means king of the road. Fitz Francis is the worst country singer ever recorded, which gives it a certain amount of panache, considering the number of bad country singers that have been recorded. Bring it up. <laughs> I'd rather be, listen, I'd rather be total last or total first in whatever I do than to be somewhere standing around in the middle. Well, listen to the beat this guy's got. Fantastic. And all of their names He's the Mrs. Miller of the country western world. And by the way, whatever happened to Mrs. Miller? I ain't got no cigarettes, but two hours of He has his own inept group that plays with him. 
no phone, no phone, no pen. I ain't got no cigarettes, but still was a <laughs> All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's very nice. It's, uh, now you see why my... You want to hear another side? You want to hear another one of his uh, great uh, records? Now, I don't know why I've got this. I have no no reason to uh, excuse myself. I have no... Okay, that's good. You put that on there. I'm just going to show you what kind of problems I've got to face when I'm cleaning up my office. Now, uh, this guy also does other things on this record. Now, it's quite obvious that uh, yeah, that uh, that this is what, what they call a vanity record. <laughs> I mean, you know what is it, a vanity record? <laughs> it's a, a vanity record is the same thing like vanity novels, you know, that you, you've all heard of the vanity press. The vanity press is if, you know, if you... If you if you've got this ego that believes that you're a great writer, but nobody uh, uh, can really understand how great you are, and they keep sending it back from uh, from the publisher houses because you know how commercial those rats are, uh, absolute rats. Well, there are publishers that will publish your book for you. Of course, you pay for it. They'll pay for it. You know, you pay them, and uh, they'll send you 700 copies of your turkey. You know, you know, a life, a life against the storm, uh, a saga of one man. I can just see your clinker, you know. Well, uh, now there are there are vanity record companies. Now I suspect this might be one of them. Now I don't know how I got this record. I'd like to find out. Now, uh, would you play another cut in there for me? He he introduces his uh, things too on it. Yeah. Well, no, you don't have to have him introducing it because uh, it, it needs no introduction. Now remember, he's serious. This is not a funny, right? He doesn't think it's funny. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show. You see, he's proving now. He also, he can also do rock. Lay off of my first rate shoes. You can knock me down, step on my face. Slander my name all over the place. Do anything you want to, but uh-uh, I need lay off of my shoes. And don't you step on my first rate shoes. Do anything, but lay off of my first rate shoes. All right, take him off. That's enough. He's just got the hook. The old hook just come out there. Listen, uh, uh, you know, I, I got a note here the other day from somebody who said uh, something about the effect of, uh, of uh, fact that the guy was doing uh, one of these mail interviews. Uh, maybe you don't know that many, in, no, many people are interviewed by mail. They're not interviewed in person. And it was a letter from a guy who, no, not it's M-A-I-L. I don't know what's the matter with you guys tonight, but it's a, a mail interview. And uh, in fact, it, it was a it was a newspaper out in some place like West Virginia, and that's why they do it. You know, they'll write you a lot of questions and stuff. And the the question that was asked, the guy says, uh, "What is your favorite form of literature?" Well, how the hell do you answer a question like that? What do you you know in in, in ten words or less so it'll fit on the little blank they give you there? You know, like what do you write? Good. Your favorite. <laughs> Or do you write down bad? Or do you write down I don't read, spelled R-E-D-E? 
which would probably fit most people in the entertainment world. However, uh, I was thinking about that. You know, I read that question. I thought to myself, well, what is my favorite form of literature? Uh, I'm not uh, I'm not a real fanatical novel reader because I find most novels are too far too self-indulgent. And the minute I find a sensitive hero in a novel, I break out in a rash because that's the guy that the author thinks he is, the sensitive, beautiful poet arrayed against an insensitive, evil society. I throw that out immediately. You know, down the chute it goes. But... Uh, uh, I, I, I don't dig this, and uh, I've never been able to get interested in uh, detective stories. You know, the usual uh, detective Raymond Chandler type thing, Agatha Christie. I've never, I've never dug that. And I've tried. Oh, God, I've tried. Uh, I've, uh, I've, I, I once read two pages of a James Bond book. You know, Ian Fleming. That was about as far as I could stick that. Uh, then, uh, I don't know, I, 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 what is my favorite form of literature? Well, I was thinking about that. Can you really seriously say? Yes, I suppose you can, if you uh, like to uh, make yourself out a public fool, if you want to admit what's your favorite form of literature. How can I admit that my favorite form of literature is the New York Post sports section? How can you admit that? In fact, you know, I've got... How many of you have little private games that you play with yourself that you never... Never, never think much about except that you, little things that you do. Like, for example, uh, uh, we've got one guy here uh, at the station, Bruce, uh, who uh, his little private game is every day he tries to do the New York Times crossword puzzle. Every day. Now, I've known Bruce for a long time. He has never once finished the New York Times crossword puzzle. And it's a, it's a private game he plays. <laughs> one day he knows he's going to break through. He's, yeah, he's going to bust through into that. Uh, it's like getting a hole in one. Uh, you know, the, the the average golfer n- never really thinks he's actually going to get a hole in one, but he always secretly thinks he will get a hole in one. It's a kind of an ambivalent thing. See, so I know that Bruce seriously feels that one day he's going to break through into that great vast sunshine out there, where the real crossword times puzzle workers are. You know, the ones that really do them. And uh, so this is his little game. Well, what is my little game? Well, every day uh, that, that the post comes out, uh, I, 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 I constantly play this game. See, I open it up. I, t- I start from the back of the paper first. Most people start from the front first. Uh, I start from the back. I, I usually start out in the back there, and, and I read about, the, you know, what the Mets are doing and something like that. And then I play my game. My game is this. I always challenge myself, and I bet myself. See, I have little bets on my on my game. One side of Shepard says, this is the day. And the other side says, oh yeah, I'll put three to one on it. And then the uh, first Shepard says, I'll take that. And the second Shepard says, uh, you're going to pay up this time, Mac. And so I bet with myself. What is my game? I, I always challenge myself that one day, one day, Milton Gross of the New York Post is going to write one column where he does not at any point mention, hint about, or discuss money. And do you know that I owe myself over $12,500 already in $2 bets? I keep losing. <laughs> he has never yet done it. That uh, Run that little game yourself once. See if you, see if you can find one, uh, just, just a little game. This is Milton. You know, you ever read Milton Gross in the Post? 
he uh, he never once uh, writes a column. If he does, I I rarely I haven't seen it where he does not mention money. Now he should be on the financial page. My suggestion is that that they, they ought to move him to the financial page and uh, you know come right out and do it. So all players play for money, as far as he's concerned. There's no such thing as the game. And uh, the only uh, the only uh, difference between a good player and a bad player is a good player makes more money. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the difference. Speaking about this is WOR, New York friends, right here in the heart of Fun City. And uh, speak your money. Hit the money button, please. This message sponsored by the United States Army. He's the man who's first to answer. He's the man who's met the test. He's today's Army soldier, proud to serve among the best. If you'd like to serve among the best, today's Army wants to join you. For the location of your nearest Army representative, call 800-243-6000, toll free. Hooray! Sometime I'm going to call that number. <laughs> I can just see this great big magnet coming out of the phone and grabbing me and pulling me right through. And the next thing you know, Shepard's falling out for another formation again. Uh, hey, wouldn't it be great here if we had full field inspections here at WOR? Wouldn't it be kind of great? Uh, can't you just see your, your, your old man... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nick, putting up a thing on the bulletin board says, oh, 0800 tomorrow morning, full field inspection. You will. You will wear Class A's, huh? <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I shouldn't give them ideas. You know, that's the trouble with me. I keep popping up with an idea, and the next thing you know, it comes true. And all I need is another full field inspection. And of course, we can have it. Can't you see Mr. O'Neill and... and uh, and Smitty and George are walking around. They got clipboards, see, and they got everybody lined up. And they walk past Al McCann, you know, and I can just see George pulling that gut. Come on, and uh, <laughs> oh well, life, <laughs> life in the life in the putty knife factory. Well, let's see. We've got a couple of other ding dogs here. Oh yeah, speaking. Please give me a little echo chamber. That is the sound of an atomic explosion, which will occur tomorrow. Clifton Senior High School, Clifton, New Jersey. Gene Shepard will stride out on the stage as big as life and much tougher than King Kong. <laughs> Gene Shepard at Clifton Senior High School tomorrow, Saturday at 8 p.m. And uh, you better get on the stick right now if you want to get over there. It's 333 Colfax Avenue in Clifton, New Jersey. Sponsored by the Clifton Youth Council of Creative Images. Hi, <laughs> right, George. Uh, and uh, don't forget now, this is going to be my last, and I mean it, my last live public performance. Now, when you say live, uh, everybody calls up, Switzerland, are you leaving the radio? No, when I say live, I'm talking about on stage, honey. This will be Gene Shepard, who is me, last live public performance on stage in the metropolitan area for this school year. Of course, I'm going to play a couple of the uh, relief roles. I'm going to do a couple of the replacement roles in old Calcutta, but we won't count that. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great. I'm getting a set of these spangled jockey shorts all ready for it. It's going to be good. Uh, but nevertheless, that's Clifton High, Saturday, tomorrow at 8 p.m., Clifton, New Jersey. It's going to be good. We hope to get busted right in the middle of that show. It's going to work out. You know, uh, speaking of your favorite uh, 
favorite uh, literature. May I get back to that uh, somewhat sordid theme? Somewhat uh, sordid theme. Now, I cannot tell you. No, no. I, you know, I find uh, for pornography, for example, inordinately boring. I find it even more boring than detective stories. I do. I just never have... Uh, you know, it's not my thing. But you know what I like? No. I'll tell you what I'd like. I enjoy... And I, and I think I must be alone among them. Not alone. I'm one of, one of the few. Because they really don't sell well. I like collections of cartoons. Cartoonist work. Now, I'm not talking about comic strip stuff. This doesn't turn me on either. I'm not a Snoopy fan. And uh, I wish I were. I wish I had that kind of Winnie the Pooh mind that buys this stuff. But I haven't. No, no, no. I've got... Uh, unfortunately, I have, the mi- I have a mind that is... a a cross between uh, Ebenezer Stooge and, uh, yeah, Ebenezer Stooge, a little touch of Dorian Gray, and probably just a little dobbit of, uh, of uh, Attila the Lionhearted. But he wasn't Lionhearted, but he was the Hun, wasn't he? That's right. A little Stonewall Jackson thrown in there. And I've always thought a little like U.S. Grant. Well, how did U.S. Grant think? Interesting man. <laughs> no, everybody thinks only in terms of drinking. Why did he drink? That's what makes a man interesting. Not the fact that he drunk, but why he drank. That is fascinating. Well, you're going to say to me, because he liked the taste of bourbon. I'm going to say that you're pretty damn near right. <laughs> Not a bad taste. Well, as a matter of fact, no, 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 no. Once you've tasted uh, something really elegant... You know, really elegant. It's hard to go back to wild strawberry yoo-hoo. Really is. Uh, but uh, here, here uh, now I'm going to I'm going to show you why I I dig this kind of thing. You know, uh, cartoons, the books of cartoons. I must have about, I would guess now, probably a hundred to a hundred and fifty different volumes of collected works of American cartoonists. Now, when I talk about a cartoonist, I'm talking about a guy that does the single panel. You know, most people think in terms of Charles Adams or uh, somebody like that. That's a single-panel cartoonist. And I would suspect that these men are among the most unknown of the famous men. In other words, we're so familiar with their work. Everybody knows that we'll see a cartoon and uh, we'll laugh at a cartoon. And how many people really know the guy's name? They never look down at the bottom. There's a few that have become famous uh, because of other things. Guys like Charles Adams or Peter Arno or somebody like that. But uh, one of my absolute all-time favorite cartoonists who uh, used to live in the village, and I used to see him a lot. Uh, many times when I'd go home from, uh, you know, go, go, I lived down in the village, and I would go down to the village after my show, and I would see him skulking along 10th Street. And, I mean, he really did skulk. And, I'd uh, yeah, he was an old friend of mine, I'd say, and, I, of course, I was a great fan of his work long before I met him. For example, if you, if, you have a, if you have the right kind of an eye and you know what you're looking for, you will find that many cartoonists actually draw themselves continually in their own cartoons. Uh, they don't know it. It's, it's often very un, uh, unconsciously. But they'll draw themselves as a character in their own cartoon. For example, there is a character in the Charles Adams menagerie. The, his group of characters that looks quite a bit like Charles Adams himself in person. Now, which one? Well, I'll just let you guess. That's all. 
But I'm just saying that uh, that I happen to have met Adams on a couple of occasions, and he looks like one of his characters. I never told him that, but that's true. Uh, some of them draw themselves more in the and, uh, and many of them idealize themselves. In other words, they'll show themselves. For example, Al Cap. Uh, you'll find a, a character looks like Al Cap. Uh, quite a few of his characters. One of them, particularly, looks like or looked like him the way he probably was when he was younger. You know? Uh, no, I'm serious. So here, uh, this particular character draws himself, but in a, in a nutty, curious way. Uh, now there's a. Uh, there's a place down in the village I go to, you know, a little deli. There's a lot of little delis down in the village, little places that are open all night long. You can come in and, uh, you know, buy a six-pack of Coke or something like that. You, you a little delicatessen, New York-type all-night deli. And many times I will go into this deli. In fact, he used to come down to the limelight when I was down at the limelight. William Steig. Steig lives down in the village. And if you know, uh, you know who Steig is, great cartoonist. And if you... Uh, if you know Steig's work well, you'll see it in his face. His face looks like one of his most famous cartoons. It's almost a direct picture, a self-portrait of him. Uh, you know the famous cartoon? He's the, he's the guy that did the famous cartoon of the guy sitting in the box. Uh, there's a desert, tremendous desert scene. At least there's nothing but uh, all completely uninhabited country all around. Just desert. It looks like it's a desert. And in the foreground is a box, a big packing crate that's set up on end and, and uh, one of the sides is out of it. And you see this guy sitting in the packing crate and his face is drawn. He's got this he's got this haggard look and he's just sitting in this packing crate. And underneath it it says people are no damn good. And that's one of his most famous cartoons. <laughs> You've seen that cartoon. Well that's Steig. And uh, yeah, I've seen most people don't even know that it was Steig. It is Steig. But uh, the cartoonist that I'm talking about, I just got a, a copy of his uh, newest tome in the mail, and it's Gay and Wilson. If you don't know the, if you don't know Gay and Wilson stuff, man, uh, you don't. Well, you know it. I, I'm sure that most people know his stuff. He he, uh, uh, to me, he is a true macabre cartoonist. I never found Will, uh, rather uh, Adams particularly macabre. Uh, you know, they always talk about him as a scary cartoonist, but I never thought Adams was. But uh, the one that really is, has a curious uh, evil quality, is Gay and Wilson. For example, here's a full-page cartoon, one of his cartoons. It's a butcher shop. And, yeah, you know, you see hams hanging from the walls and all that stuff, and, and you see this little short, fat lady. It's the way he draws them, too, that's so great. little short, fat lady, and she's she doesn't look scared or perturbed. I think she just looking like she's shopping. It's a little short, fat lady shopping. She's got her handbag there, and she's just looking with interest into the case. You know, it's a big butcher case. You know how they put the there's trays in there. It's a 65 cents a pound, 90 cents a pound, uh, cold cuts, dollar uh, eight a pound, and all that. And you see, hanging over this case, you see a butcher, and he's looking, uh, you know, just blank face. He's just telling her something. And he says, it's been awful for business, Mrs. Schultz, but it was Charlie's last wish. And what is he talking about? Well, you see stretched out in this case, you see Charlie with his straw hat on. And uh, Charlie has left us, and he's lying in there. There's a little sign next to him that says, not for sale. <laughs> well, that's Gay and Wilson. There it is, see? <laughs> the butcher is stretched out there with the coal cuts. <laughs> Uh, again, you have to have a certain type of humor. <laughs> Here's another one. <laughs> Here's
here's another evil one. You see, you see, uh, you see the interior of a bathroom, and uh, it's uh, just a bathroom, and then the foreground is a bathtub up against the wall there. And the, the the room is in terrible disarray. You see, you see bloody handprints all over the wall, like there's been a terrible struggle. You see where he's clutched at the wall, see? and you see his bathrobe is lying on the floor. And the bathrobe is laying on the floor next to the uh, bathtub, and something has gotten it. You see the whole bottom of it's been ripped away, just torn away. You see shreds, and there's water all over the floor, and you see. You see, the, the the door to the bathroom is open, and you see a wife looking in. It's a woman. At least you assume it's a woman. It's a middle-aged lady with glasses. And she's got a look of satisfaction on her face, a vague smile. She's peering in. And that's the picture. The bathtub is filled with water. You got it? There's only one bad note in it. You see, swirling over the over the surface of the water or through it, you see, cutting the surface cleanly, the fin of a shark. Obviously, she has planted a giant shark in his... <laughs> oh, man, I'll tell you. But what looks so great is you can see where he's trying to get out. You see his hand clawing at the... <laughs> I call that creative murder, to put a shark in your husband's bathtub. Now, that's, that's Gay and Wilson. Now, here's another one of Gay and Wilson's curiously enigmatic cartoons. You see a guy walking a dog, and his people always have this completely non-editorial uh, look on their face. They're not laughing or angry, or they're just looking, see? And you see a guy walking a dog, and it's an evil-looking day. It's a gray day, and you see the wind. He's got his coat is blown out, and the dog is sort of standing there with his, his ears blown up. And they're outside of a cemetery. And you see all these, you see all these crosses, and you see all the all the headstones all there lined up. And up at the top of a hill, you see a mausoleum. You know, one of these little concrete-like buildings there, and it has a big name over it and a cross over the top. It says Smith of it. There's only one thing wrong. It's got a big TV antenna on it. <laughs> the guy's just looking up there. <laughs> <coughs> Oh, and, and talk about an evil one. Wait a minute. I'm going to give you one here that's really evil. Terrible, terrible evil. Wait a minute here. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, here's here's one. Uh, uh, it shows... It sh <laughs> I shouldn't... No, I better not. That's too subversive. Too much. <laughs> it, shows, it shows a guy... It shows a Scotchman. A Scotchman. You know, he's wearing kilts. And and uh, he's he's got these kilts on, see, and he's got a Scotch tam on his head, and you see around him are all these mountains, great rugged-looking mountains, and he's got a crooked stick. You know how Scotsman, Harry Lauder type uh, Scotsman, stage Scotsman, always look, and he's obviously a Scotsman. And you see, he's standing by the shore, this this pile, of, uh, this this water. It's a it's a lake of some kind, and all around him are rocks and stones, and you see coming out of the water. The most fantastic, evil, horrible, un incredible looking monster. And it's long, it's like a giant snake with a big bulbous eye sticking out. It's got a little furry head. Uh, there's fur on the top of it. It's got claws sticking out. It's a tremendous thing. It's about 40 feet high. And this little Scotsman is saying, So where were you during the tourist season? 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Why don't you get it? Here's another one. It shows a guy. It shows a guy sitting in his office. Now, see, he, you notice he deals with the, the evil and 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 all kinds of curious elements of death. It shows uh, shows a guy sitting in his office, frantically making a phone call, and you can just see his his face is looking tense. And outside of the outside of his window, you see he's looking out of the window of his office, which is apparently on about the thirtieth floor of some big building, and you can see across the street, you see a, a building over there. And it's got a big sign on it that says uh, Peabody and Fenner Corporation. And <laughs> there's only one thing wrong. You see about ten guys jumping out of windows. They're leaping out of windows. They, they, they're going. See, they, you can see them plunging head first out of the windows. They're jumping out. They're not, it's not a fire. They're jumping out of the windows. Obviously, some fantastic thing has happened to their company. And he is saying over the phone, Quick, don't blow my shares of Peabody and Fenner. Quick. Oh, he's evil. Uh, here's another one. Uh, no, I shouldn't. Uh, here's another one. It shows. It shows. A, it shows a marriage counselor sitting there, and he's looking very. He's looking very, uh, very serious. Like you know how marriage counselors are always seen in TV. They always look very, uh, very avuncular, very, uh, you know, very serious men. And he's looking very serious, and he's got a notepad in front of him. He's been making notes. It says Jay Harper, marriage counselor, on his door. And he looks a little like Dr. Spock, and he's looking very serious. And he's talking to this lady. In fact, he's talking to this couple. And the girl is sitting there looking a little unhappy. And uh, the uh, marriage counselor is saying, but surely it must have occurred to you that the wide differences in your backgrounds would make your marriage more than ordinarily difficult. And uh, you see, sitting on the other side of the desk, her husband... And it turns out to be a giant rat. <laughs> it's Mickey Mouse, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and that's all. <laughs> uh, you see this kind of thing. Uh, now, this is this is one of his worst. I, I mean, I shouldn't even tell you this with kids listening. This is a terrible one. You see this nice little school teacher type lady. She's a spinsterish looking lady, and she's got sensible shoes. And, and she's just got a very sensible look on her face. And uh, it's in her living room, and there she's talking to two workmen who are standing there. They're wearing, uh, they're wearing overalls, and they're looking kind of dirty. They've been obviously doing a job. And uh, they're, they're all standing around her fireplace, which is a very elegant fireplace. And, uh, and she's looking quite uh, pleased. They've, they've, pro- they've cured the problem, and these two workmen are standing there looking... Uh, satisfied they've done the job and uh, it says uh, you can see she's talking to the uh, one of the workmen says well we found out what's been clogging your chimney since last December Miss Emmy and you see what it is there you see sprawled out in front of the fireplace this skeleton it's a skeleton you ready for it it's a skeleton and it's dressed in a Santa Claus suit <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's Santa Claus. <laughs> well, uh, here's another one. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you another one of his terrible macabre. It shows a hospital scene, and uh, there's a there's a, obviously a bed, but the bed is is shielded 
by a screen. You know, they put these screens around hospital beds, and there's about 15 different machines, all kinds of respirators and pipes and tubes, and, and you can see there's a, there's a big... Uh, big machine that looks like it's some kind of a artificial uh, kidney machine, all kinds of machines running in, and you don't see who's in there. You don't see who's in there. You just see all these wires and pipes and everything going into this, going into this, uh, this enclosed bed. There's about ten different machines with great big uh, meters all over them. And you see this very kindly-looking nurse, and she's got a clipboard, and, and uh, she's talking to whoever's in there. And you see this hand coming out. There's one little hand reaching out from behind the curtain. It's obviously the guy in the bed. And he's reaching for a switch on one of the machines. And she says, uh-uh, no fair now. No fair turning yourself off, Mr. Smithers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> another one <laughs> if, you, if you want to see another strange one this is this is gay and wilson's sense of humor <laughs> it shows a it shows a, i don't know i hope i hope you're enjoying this i mean because because i enjoy gay and here's another one it shows a toy department and it's in a department store and you see a whole big box of of toys uh, it's a display of a certain type of toy and i've got a lot of the boxes are open see and uh, there's a big sign next to it, and it says, New Toy Sensation, the Crying, Clutching, Sniveling Doll. Uh, you know how dolls these days, dolls do everything. They catch measles. You can get uh, real-life dolls that you have to change the diapers on. Well, this is a different kind of doll. It's the Crying, Clutching, Sniveling Doll. And it shows a guy trying to walk away from the counter, and this doll is clinging to him, crying, <laughs> clinging to his knee. It's crying, big tears coming down. It's, it's hanging on, it's dragging his feet. And you see these two clerks behind the counter, one says to the other, there's damn few who can walk away. <laughs> the doll cries. <laughs> and the... Here's another one. It shows a minister standing. He's, he's just finished, obviously, just finished his sermon because he's taking off his, his uh, surplus and all that. You know, he's got this robe he's taking off, and he's looking very pleased. And his wife is helping him take his stuff off. And he's standing in front of a mirror. Obviously, this is in the, uh, this is in the place where he lives, uh, and he's taking his stuff off. And he's looking very pleased. He looks like a bishop or something, very elegant-looking guy. And uh, you see, above his head... You see this halo. It's an actual halo shining. And he's looking very pleased into the mirror. He says, I thought I was in particularly good form today. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the kind of evil, uh, kind of evil. Uh, I, 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 there's another one, too. He's got the, you see this little short fat guy, and his wife has opened his closet. And she's looking shocked. And obviously he's trying to stop her from opening the closet, but she's opened it. And you see, hanging in the closet, among a lot of other clothes, you see this Superman suit. It's got a big S on it, you know, and you see these jazzy-looking boots. And she turns to him. He's a little fat, middle-aged guy. And she says, Harry, you? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, this, this to me is Gay and Wilson. Hey, we got a couple of spots. We better get them out of the way here. Yeah, one spot anyway. Palisades, if you're, uh, you know, a seeker of fun, friends, we'd like to suggest Palisades Amusement Park is wide open. 
By the way, Gay and Wilson does a lot of uh, does a lot of cartoons about amusement parks, which uh, I remember one of his cartoons. By the way, may I may I, may I uh, recoup one of Gay and Wilson's cartoons that refers to amusement parks? It shows these two people sitting in this uh, this little boat. You know how they go through the tunnel of horrors and all that stuff. And these two people are looking very bland. Say, and you see coming out of the darkness one of the most unbelievably horrible monsters you've ever seen in your life. In fact, it's eating somebody. You see the feet sticking out, you know, and you see hands, and, and he's just eaten the boat that has gone through ahead of him. You could see that you could see pieces of the boat all around. Whatever the monster is, it's unbelievable. It's coming out of the darkness, and you can see pieces of the boat in his mouth, and it's just awful. It's, a, it's about eight stories high. And this one says to the other, that's not so scary. <laughs> so if you'd like to enjoy all these things, I'd suggest you get over to Palisades Amusement Park. They're wide open. Make it this weekend. And, uh, you know, it'll go all over. Oh, you want to see another one, don't you? Shows an executive. So, so sometimes he doesn't deal in horror. So he shows an executive. He's got, he's got these boxes in front of him, in and out. And he's going through all the mail, see, in and out. And he's sorting the mail. He's putting one into the out box. And then he's putting one into another one. And you can see it's a wastebasket. And it's got a sign on it that says, Nowhere. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> then you see another. Oh, talk about an evil one. It's a shot back of Madison Square Garden. And, uh, you know, there's a big arrow. It says, Arena, Fight Tonight. And uh, you see uh, two or three guys standing around a big wastebasket. And they've got a uh, they've got a stretcher, and they're dumping this body into the wastebasket. You can see it's wearing boxing shorts into this garbage can. <laughs> so uh, this is Gay and Wilson. And uh, if you if you're not, of course I'm sure you've seen his work. But if you don't see, here's another one. It shows this elegant. It shows this uh, elegant home, and you see this 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 beautiful overstuffed chair. You know, you've seen overstuffed chair. It's got a big wing back on it and all that. And uh, next to it, you see a pair of glasses just laying on the floor there. And you see a book that's obviously somebody's been reading and it's been dropped on the floor. And you look carefully at the chair and you see what's happened. You see in this overstuffed chair, you see two tiny hands reaching out, clutching for the ceiling. Obviously, the chair has sucked them right in. <laughs> And you see nothing else. He's going down for the last. <laughs> now that takes a certain kind of, uh, certain kind of imagination. And then there's another one. It's two panel. One of his few two panel cartoons shows a guy working on a road, see, and he's on this new asphalt road, and one guy's driving a steam, sh a big steamroller, and the other guy's directing him. He's turning around behind him. Says, "Okay, come on, this way, this way." And the next panel, you see this big, wide, flat guy. And the stream roller has moved on. That's all there is to it. <laughs> so, uh, that's Gay and Wilson. Now you've asked me what my favorite form of uh, literature is. There it is. I think he says more about, uh, I mean, you know. There's an evil-looking guy standing outside of a guy's office. And he's wearing sandals and holding up a sign. And it says, are you ready to meet R.K. Campbell? And inside the office is R.K. Campbell sitting. God. <laughs> oh, don't forget, tomorrow night, Clifton High.